All right, welcome to episode eight of Two Faces Radio. We are an Atlanta music scene podcast. Today on the show, we're going to be featuring a new segment called Brian's 321. I'm going to be asking three questions, getting two minute answers for each to one artist. We'll be talking a little bit about music movies, documentaries, um, which is a topic that came up when um, Ira and myself were. That's me. That's Ira. Oh, yes, I I apologize. Uh, (laughs) I am your host, Brian McLennan, or your co host, Brian McLennan. You're not doing it solo today, you know. I'm not, I know. And um, and obviously Ira Malkin across the way, but Ira and I were uh, stalking our recent guest um, out at Bojanic, a local uh, <laughs> a local place to play music here and to go see some good music and get some good well, we Indian food. Stalking, you're goofing around. I know, and uh, but thank you for proving that stalking does work. Um, but we we got onto that topic a little bit when we were when we were out there. We um, our guest, of course, today is Oliver Wood. For those of you who don't know Oliver, uh, you've been in the Atlanta mainstay for the last decade at least. At least. Yeah. And um, with your adult contemporary roots rock blues jazz funk band, right. King Johnson. That's right. how you cat it. Is that the section that they find your stuff in at the uh, right. 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 <laughs> and uh, more recently more recently known nationally with the Wood Brothers, where you play guitar and sing with your brother Chris. Who's the bass player, also known from Medeski Martin and Wood? Correct. So we're excited to have you in here, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, Thanks for coming on in. Thank you, guys. Us. I'm happy to be here. And we did when we saw you out at um, Bojanic. You did somehow. You came up and you joked about us. You know, is this how we put the heat on to get people to come <laughs> into the studio? And right. it's not. We actually just were it's usually coming worse. out to usually check the place out. We come over with bats <laughs> <laughs> and masks, of course. Right. We yeah. don't want to be identified. Right. But um. And somehow we started talking about Tom Petty's movie that just came out earlier this year or right. last year, maybe. Right. The rockumentary style. Yes. Flick. And is it called Running Down a Dream? I think it is. Yeah. Which sucks because I, I saw great trailers for that movie, but of course I never saw it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either yeah. myself. It's pretty good. And you were saying that you liked it and you had seen him recently and right. remarked at how many tunes you knew by. Right. Yeah, I just w- never thought of myself as a Tom Petty fan specifically. I just, you know, I was always aware of him and kind of, you know, it was sort of middle of the road stuff to me for the longest time. And then I actually uh, w- was at Bonnaroo a couple of years ago and he was the headliner. Right. And I had awesome passes to go back and check it out from a good spot. And I was like, man, this is really good. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and I somehow know the words to all the songs. Right. I didn't even, you know, amazing. subliminally learned the, the whole catalog. Right. You know, every time he starts up years. again, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, so. Well, anyway. some of those songs come from when you're when you're younger, too. And I've noticed that I know the all the lyrics to songs that I don't even like. Oh, yeah. Just because I heard them at a time when my brain was a sponge. Totally. Now I put on a song that I love, and I'm listening to it 10, 15 times. And I'm like, I can't remember these damn lyrics. I, I'm the same way. <laughs> anymore. I'm the same way. No, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that the whole recent Michael Jackson thing yeah. with him him having this resurgence, unfortunately, because he died. But, I know. He's going to make uh, so much money next year. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> but but like that, that just like is so nostalgic because all this music is kind of popping up and like my kid, uh, who's seven, I have, uh, my older son, he he wants he's like, oh, I want to check out some Michael Jackson. So we're like showing cool. him the Beat It video on YouTube and right. stuff, you know, Billie which Jean. you know, he, Billy Jean stuff. But showed him Thriller. That was a big mistake. Oh, he was it? He oh. can't sleep now. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah he, he wasn't ready for that. Because I guess I was probably what twelve, thirteen when that came Just out. 
just play him some more things of Michael talking, you know. And that'll <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll, that'll make him. Thriller look oh, like nothing. Hey, yeah. uh, I'm fine. <laughs> He'll be like, wow, Thriller was a walk in the park. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> I don't know. That some of these interviews. Clearly uh, was acting in that movie. I know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just looked up the... Because we were talking about Michael Jackson, the whole thing the other day, and I just looked up the Billie Jean performance from Motown's 25th anniversary oh, when he really kind of... It just killed. Yeah, yeah and... You know, I've never been a. I never wanted a dance or anything like that. But you watch that, and it was badass. I mean, badass. you know, you kind of playing rock and roll and being in a whole different kind of scene. You kind of yeah. get in there, ah, dancing, you know, yeah. whatever. But it was badass, and you watch yeah. that, and just the energy with every little movement yeah. that he made, nice. and he was so wise with that moonwalk because he nailed it like three quarters of the way through the song. He saves right. it, and people go nuts. Yeah, yeah. And then he does it just like one more time before the song's okay. older. Just to say like, yeah, you saw that. That's yeah. right. You know what you saw. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And it's like magic. It's like yeah. he's floating on water, man. I know. Yeah, I mean, back Killer. then it was just like, whoa. Yeah, he was so cool. I saw a thing once. Uh, uh, I remember a thing back in, I don't know if it was the 80s or the 90s, but he was on Barbara Walters. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about his new album, which I think was going to be Thriller or something. So right. In the 80s, I guess. But, uh, and he started beatboxing like... Like on his chest. Before yeah. people do that, where yeah, yeah he's kind of playing and singing all the parts and, and making doing, percussive. Right. Unbelievable. Noises, yeah, yeah no that was before that was even. Yeah, anybody did that. He know? was a natural. God. He was. So. It's funny though. See my Barbara Walters now, Michael. <laughs> right. When you did the beat. When you did Thwilla. <laughs> when you did Thwilla. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to look for a word that had that. Yeah. In. <laughs> Personally, I like Billy Jean. <laughs> <laughs> Your brother, Jermaine. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> is he a dancer? <laughs> right. And the jackets too. The beat it jacket was kick ass, and the yeah. thriller jacket. Come was on, kick you know ass. you had a knockoff back in the day. No, but you know what? <laughs> what? And we were talking about this the other the other night. Ira and I came in here to do. We brought our guitar player Tim in here, and we wanted to just do a fun, laid back. You know, we'd been having all these musicians in who are all great, but we wanted to just do a thing where we could just podcast and talk about whatever the hell we wanted to talk about. Right. Of course, we got into Michael episode. Jackson. Right. And I forgot about this story from when I was a kid. <laughs> You know, I got invited to my very first bar mitzvah, 13. Yeah. And I go to this girl's bar mitzvah, and they had a Michael Jackson impersonator there. Get out of here. And you know how the Michael Jackson... And, you know, that was probably dead in the middle of all this the shit. You know, right. thriller. And so um, they handed out one of the gifts that they gave to the kids was, you know, a glove with all the oh, sparkles. Really? Yeah. And everybody wanted to talk to the guy, and it was a big deal, you know. And I remember him saying something like... I'm the official Michael Jackson impersonator or something. Maybe it was on a card or something like that. And I went home and I was telling my mom, I was like, this is, well, we saw the official, you know, I was an right. idiot. What did I know? And my mom's like, yeah, right. Whatever. The, the official. official. Who's the official? Yeah. What does that mean? Michael Jackson ordained. Certified by certified. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Like yeah. if you can't ordained. get Michael Jackson, right. he sends this guy, you know, right. this right. guy's up to speed. So, so when you're, when you're getting frisky with the wife, does the uh, glove still come out? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the glove. Uh-huh. That or when could you get be dangerous, man. With those Getting frisky up. by yourself. Right? That's right. <laughs> that could be even more dangerous. <laughs> the sequins. Oh, sequins. Right. Oh, every time. So, all right, before we have you play a song, I wanted to say something. I had a little analogy going because, you know, we've been getting these artists in here, and one of the things that we were excited to, that I was real excited to have you in about, and I know Ira is as well, um, a lot of the musicians that we know and everybody knows, there's kind of three key ingredients to being a musician in my mind. Okay. Um, there's a lot of, obviously, other smaller things, but 
to me, it's can you sing? How well can you sing? How well can you play? And how well can you write? And it kind of made me think about baseball. I know you got um, a young kid. I'm a big baseball fan. And baseball, they talk about the top athletes in baseball being what they call five-tool players, five major skills. You know, can they hit for average? Can they right. hit for power? Can they run fast? Can they defend their position? And can they throw? Those are like right. the five things. Right. And I started kind of equating you to being sort of a three-tool musician because you play great. And I think that's probably the first thing a lot of people notice. And, you know, you're a good singer and a great songwriter. So, to me, you kind of really got the total package. So, we're real excited to have you in here. You know, I like that analogy, but do you have to use the word tool? And package? (laughs) That's what they call (laughs) five-tool player. (laughs) It's quite a package. (laughs) It's quite a package. It's quite a a tool. (laughs) And it's quite a tool. (laughs) Well, I use my tool from my package. Um, Anyhow, so uh, we're real excited to have you in here. And you're going to start us off with a song so people can hear what you sound like. (laughs) All right. What do you got? Um... I'm going to do a song here. Uh, it's called Postcards from Hell. And uh, it's inspired by uh, a local Atlanta musician who we lost this last year. His name's Donnie McCormick. what he feels keeps a letter in the pocket of his coat but he never breaks the sea set up in the bar room corner playing for tips and Carrying on and drinking, and you got a strain to hear. I seen him play on some old cheap guitar, but he could play on pots and pans. You never heard a soul so pure and true. Flowing right out of his hands And he can sing sweet as a choir girl And he can sing a house on fire I seen him calling up the angels And use a breeze for the telephone wire And if you ask him how he sings his blues so I got a soul that I won't sell. I got a soul that I won't sell. I got a soul that I won't sell. And I don't read postcards from hell. Take you down the aisle. 
How he sings his blues so well. He said, I got a soul that I won't sell. I got a soul that I won't sell. I got a soul that I won't sell. And I don't read postcards from hell. Sings as blues so well. He said, I got a soul that I won't sell. 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 That's how I sing my blues so well. And I don't read postcards from him. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. All right. <clears throat> I love it. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, and I was thinking about that that song, well, and that whole album, actually, while you were playing. <coughs> I remember, how, how long ago did that come out, that record? I was like, uh, about a year. The, the Loaded version yeah. uh, record came out about a year, it's been a year and a half Yeah, now. and I remember right April when I picked it up, uh, Nancy and I went on vacation. Where the hell were we? We went out. Well, anyway, we were, I remember we were on vacation, and it was like... Did you see Mudcat? <laughs> yeah, I probably <laughs> did. Um... But it, that was a, you, you ever like get an album, then you go on vacation, you just listen to the whole and thing, and then that album yeah, becomes just, your reference, your road so, album. Totally. Right. And every time you hear it, you think of yourself being on the beach or something like that. Yeah, right. yeah, that was one of those. Nice. You got me on one of those. So that, was, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> that was cool. Good. Yeah, I noticed that Donnie played on the second album. He did. He didn't play on that song, but he uh, he uh, played on a couple other songs. Yeah. Cool. We, yeah. What may obviously was inspired by him, but uh, what. At what point did you start working on that song and just saying, did you want to do it or did it just kind of happen, you know, write a song for him? You know, it started out, um, I I had this, uh, somebody gave me this really cool video, music thing, um, and it it was a compilation of all these African guitar players who all had like cheap acoustic guitars, like field recordings but video recordings right and they all put their capos way up here i'm i'm holding my guitar and i'm putting <laughs> putting my capo up really Set high threat. <laughs> yeah and getting this kind of yeah and i gotta admit i kind of ripped this off from the video. at least the, the, the basic idea of that yeah. riff sort of from that video right um it's funny now that you say that I can I can you totally can kind of hear those yeah. yeah it's totally it's totally uh, an African inspired uh, the music is yeah um, cool. and then somehow you know completely separate so I had this sort of musical riff and this I think this happens a lot and then somehow separately I had this idea of I don't know I just written down somewhere postcards from hell it just sounded like a weird cool little <laughs> thing and then uh, the rest I don't remember I just remember. A couple of days 
later I had a song and it was I was thinking about Donnie the whole time oh, I really? think and, and Don, it was Donnie was sick uh, we're talking about Donnie McCormick a, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah a well-known yeah, Atlanta musician Let's get all that straight. <laughs> well, so and and so, also let's get that straight. That this is from you're talking about a song, Postcards from Hell, which is off the second CD, the second called Wood Loaded Brothers with CD. the Wood Correct. Brothers. Wood Correct. Correct. Just yeah. get people situated there. Yeah. So, but uh, I think at the time I had been playing with Donnie a lot, and he was really, uh, although he was start, starting to be kind of sick, he was just the top of his originality I'll put it that way even okay. though he wasn't maybe singing as strong as he used to and he wasn't playing drum kit anymore he's playing the chicken coop which yeah. is another right. I was going to bring that up yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and only only really people in Atlanta understand what we're talking about here <coughs> right. or you'd have to check it out on YouTube or something That's true I mean, it's really a, something you have to see. You can't just hear I'll post about a video. it. It's pretty unique. Yeah. yeah. If there yeah. Is, you, you said there is YouTube videos of him playing. Yeah, there's some. There's yeah. some. I'll post video. one on our website. So it's something. One of those things. If you just heard it, it's not good enough. You have to see him doing it. But yeah. But anyway, I had been doing a lot of gigs with him. Uh, cool. We had a little a little uh, trio thing uh, called Coupe de Ville. That's <laughs> a little play off the chicken coop. Yeah. yeah, it was just sort of a, a thing we we did a little bit on the side and. Uh, so I had been real inspired by him and he's very a real moved interesting and guy. Yeah, real interesting, a, and an artist, a musician, yeah, just a, just very a creative scene mainstay. You know? Yeah, and one of those people who was so real when every played. You know, he right. just he was so in the moment. And I right. just that's the biggest lesson he taught me. You know, I always aspire to, right. to get to get to that place. But he uh, a super nice guy, man. I mean, he didn't know me that well, but every time I did see him, always, hey, man, how you yeah, doing? You know? so real genuine guy. Yeah. So. Well, and for people from Atlanta that you know go way back in the scene, he was the drummer for Eric Quincy Tate. Right, right, right. And I just thought that he, you know, you go, you can go back and listen to recordings of him playing with Eric Quincy Tate in the seventies, and it's awesome, and everything yeah. you hear is awesome, but. Something about those last couple of years of his life, he was really tapped into uh, something more original than I've heard. You know, like I haven't heard anything huh. else like it ever. So, cool. Anyway, he aged like a fine wine. He did. <laughs> he really did. He just got better and better. Right. So. Well, we've talked about the blues offering that for artists a place to actually be better when you're older, as opposed yeah. to so many other genres that want to cut your head off at 21 and right, you know right. leave you in the dust right right so. well and and you know the 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 thing that strikes me about donnie and people like that is that uh and i, I don't want to classify him necessarily it's just a blues he's just sort of an artist you know but right but he uh you know most people don't know who he is and, yeah and, you yeah, know, and, and i wasn't and familiar with him you know much even until the last few years probably right, right. Oh, and I couldn't, can't tell you how many times I just either playing with him or watching in a bar where, like, you know, people are talking, partying, whatever. It's just like what the you song is talking You can hear it in the song, yeah. yeah. and it's just like, what are you, you know, you might this might be your last chance to see this guy. Yeah. What are you thinking, you know? I, yeah. I just, yeah. you know, it's Well, just I did that not with a lot everybody. of people, you know, Frank Edwards. And sure. The, you know, I mean. And it's like they're just playing in yeah. bars, and it's like, this guy should be, this guy's like Picasso yeah. of the chicken coop or something. You know, you got to check it out. Yeah. I mean that's the that's kind of the funniest thing in some ways about music that I really do think a lot of artists do get better as they get older but so many places don't offer the artists the place to do that you right. know to right. keep you know themselves out there right. and likewise I think people who listen to music um get more discerning as they get older they start right. to right. 
appreciate things more. Right. They appreciate subtleties and yes. things that are subtle. Yeah. yeah. That's true. And the thing is that about somebody like Donnie uh, is that, you know, he definitely did it because he loved it because he didn't have to go out and play crappy gigs for tips and stuff. You know, sure. he, right. he and you could tell when he was playing, he was his, it was just the ultimate spot for him. He yeah. just right. got in this zone and and he's obviously doesn't need to do that. At, at He didn't need to do that in his 60s and with right. bad health and in crappy bars. So he just did it because he loved it. You know? right. Yeah, listen, I, I lose a year every time I walk into Northside. <laughs> no doubt. He definitely wasn't doing it for the money. You know? oh, it ain't so the healthiest places. place to go. No. It might be, it'll feed your musical knowledge right. Right. and your musical desires, but uh, right. as far as your actual physical health. You know, I was, I was going to just bring up for a second while you were playing, too, for the people listening. Um, I was just going to talk about your rig just real quick. You, know, okay. you brought in this old K amp. I just figured right. you'd, you'd explain what you're playing through right here. Right. Because usually we, you know, we had people come in and just play an acoustic. This is probably right. the first time we've had somebody come in and play electric into an amp. Yes. Um, right. Well, I think watch. Jim Ranson did it, but I think we just room mic'd him right. pretty Pretty much. Speech. Yeah, this is four watts of raging, <laughs> raging fury. Tube you know? fury. I mean, I love it. You Cheapo. know the, the grittiness of it and everything. Yeah. I just figured. We'd yeah, that's what I I've bring it up. Definitely. As I, speaking of getting older, I've gotten to where I like to play when I'm sitting down. I like a tiny little amp that fits into the overhead compartment. And uh, well, well there's something to playing down though, because when we came out to see you at Bojanic, mm-hmm. um, you guys are all sitting down, right? And it just gives a great vibe to me and i know that i'm trying to get my band uh one of my bands in over there and i was saying to the guys i said it's probably gonna be something where you know we'll kind of turn down you know sit down chill but sometimes you you listen to each other better you play Mm -hmm. better there's something really cool that happens yeah. At those low volume gigs, yeah, we're doing that all the time now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're even sitting down at Blind Willie's, and, yeah. which we never used to do. Yeah, yeah. It's, the new it's cool. Thing. It is the, it is the, but it does create a different vibe, doesn't sitting it? Down totally. yeah. Sitting say, down is the new standing up. Can we say? Can we announce that here? <laughs> sitting, yeah. sitting down is the new standing <laughs> up. <laughs> no, and it's so, something about yeah. You you pick up things that are more subtle. Plus, it seems more casual. You're just like, hey, yeah, you're just, you're just hanging out. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. feel like I play better. You know. Yeah, you almost feel like you're part of the atmosphere as opposed to being on stage for right. people to watch. Yeah, yeah. So especially certain venues, I think, but really then, lend themselves but then, Well, unfortunately what happens, like, you know, if I play at Willie's and, you know, you start off at 9.30 and there's only, you know, like 12 to 15 people in the place and you're sitting right. down and it feels good, but then second set, it's like packed in there. And I'm like, right. you know what, maybe we should, oh, we should stand make, up and maybe we yeah. should make this more of a show, make guys. it look right. like we're yeah, doing I mean, something so. here. All right. You do have to worry Well, the other good thing about sitting down starting at, a, at our young age uh, yeah, is that uh, you know, like people's like, ah, he can, he has to sit down now. He's getting really old. See, I was already sitting down before I got right. old. That's yeah, right. It won't, it won't look like you. Yeah, so it won't be just, such that's a drastic thing that he does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it won't look like you were forced to do it right. by age. Right. So I mentioned um, off the top that we were going to talk a little bit about music documentaries, just because I was thinking about it. Because again, when we came out to Bojanic and you were playing there and you came up and. Somehow, I guess, we did get into... I think we were asking you maybe about Bonnaroo, and you explained how you kind of started listening to the Tom Petty tunes and noticing how many things you knew. Right. What did you like so much about Running Down a Dream? About what was that it movie? that really got you? Because you definitely seemed interested in kind of <laughs> he was saying, check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was weird. Just trying to make a conversation with you right, guys. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't really watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I got the cliff notes. Was I supposed to watch it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw the trailer. Is there a good, 
Um, no, actually, I uh, I just kept hearing about how good it was, and somebody gave it to me. I mean, I honestly don't think I would have, kind of like the show, I don't think I would have bought a ticket to go to the show necessarily. Right. And I'm nothing against them. I've just never been a f- huge fan enough to go to go check it out. But then somebody gave me this movie, and I was just enthralled. I mean, I just I would have watched it twice in a row. It was so good. Yeah. And I think part of it was just because uh, it was really well done. Like, there was... All, all kinds of awesome uh, archived kind of footage from throughout, his, even from before anybody knew who he was. There's right. lots of great footage taken, and and of course once he was well known, there's tons of footage. But the right. old stuff was really cool, and uh, but having been in a band for years and years and gone through that whole. All the drama and all the triumphs yeah. and tragedies and... It's definitely a musician's yeah. documentary. Agony of defeat and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, it was awesome for musicians right. because cause anyone who's ever been in a band has dealt with right. so many of the same things on probably on it's a much smaller like level. musicians but, cringe right. when they watch Spinal Tap. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there was a lot of cool things like that where you could really relate. But the best thing to me was just realizing how awesome that guy is. I yeah. mean, he really is like a good songwriter yeah. and he can write good songs and he is very driven. And I was just like, God, how does a guy write that many songs and, and still have a life, which maybe he didn't have a life. He maybe. Could, you know. <laughs> well, uh, he was actually one of my first, one of my earliest concerts. He wasn't my first one, which was, <clears throat> Twisted Sister opening up for Ronnie James Dio. Oh, just, so everybody knows, just so everybody knows. Well, that was my first rock well, you show. You know, I can almost but beat you. I know. You're close. What do you got? You remember what mine is? Yours is, uh, well, Quiet, yours right? is Twisted Sister close. also, isn't it? No. No. No, it was uh, White Snake and um, Great White. And Great White, yeah, opening. which I saw that yeah. tour wow. also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could open a whole other can of worms. <laughs> right. But he was one of my first, because I remember my folks had to drive me to the show. Right. And uh, with a couple buddies, and it was Tom Petty touring with Bob Dylan. Oh, wow. And that was pretty cool at the Hartford Civic Center. Nice. Full Moon Fever? Full Moon Fever. No, it was before Full Moon Fever. Oh. What was yeah. the one where he started wearing the top hat and the glasses? It was around the time that he did the live concert. And I talked to you about this that night also. Uh, now, of course, that we're actually talking about this stuff on air. I can't remember the name of the album. Pack Up the Plantation Live. Oh, okay great live album and it was mm-hmm. all around that time when he got had it. the hit with um so you want to be a rock and roll star got it and yeah he was great yeah i saw him at red rocks amphitheater i lived in colorado that's right and uh, hey, you grew up in i colorado. guess i was in high school or something uh part of my my childhood was colorado and los angeles what now you, your childhood do you want to get into that now yeah you your childhood going? is shroud well I'd i was like g- to. i did want to say one quick thing about what? the documentaries it made me think about um this documentary I haven't seen a ton of them. You know, then there's movies, you know, the song remains the same. I I guess that's a documentary. It's mostly a live concert footage, I I feel like. Um, And then there's Spinal Tap, which is the goof. But it made me think of this one that I caught. I'm not a huge fan of the band, but I'm Trying to Break Your Heart by Wilco. And as far as the the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's got some really good stuff. And (laughs) my favorite is, because it just reminded me of you and me, it's the singer Jeff Tweedy and... I think Jay Bennett maybe the was who, the, the guy who, the guy who just, yeah. and who just got and who just passed away. I think and what what? Yeah, um, uh, I was ta- I was actually chatting with somebody. You the heard other it day here about first, it. people. No, oh. you didn't hear it here first. Okay, he OD. 
Really? Yeah. Um, in the spring, I think. Whoa. Yeah. Barry was just telling me that. Oh, is that I may be wrong. I may Isn't be wrong. Isn't he the guy from Sunvolt or something like that? Or what um, thinking of somebody else? Uncle yeah. Tupelo. Well, Uncle Tupelo. that all, I mean, that all started as Uncle Tupelo, and then it split to Sunvolt. And, and, and I think Wilco, Wilco was part of some of that, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it split to Wilco yeah. and Sunvolt. Well, anyhow, they're sure sitting there. The they're sitting there talking about how to mix this certain song, right. and you know, he's just uh, <laughs> he's just trying so hard. This Jay Ben is trying so hard to like explain what he thought was supposed to be going on in the song and how right. things were supposed to be. And Jeff Tweedy is just kind of like, has no right. idea what he's talking no, about. No, it's not so much that he doesn't know; he just doesn't care. Right. And it just kind of reminded me of maybe you and I having I'm a conversation. You just don't, just don't, don't care. care. Like you're just like, let's just do. Whatever we want to do now that we've agreed on it, and I'm trying to still kind of explain yeah, you're right. still where I went yourself. wrong, right? Yeah, right, right. You're, you're constantly selling yourself right. is what you're uh. doing. So uh, <laughs> anyhow, I was cracking up at that, but it's got some good. It's it's so. Those are the things, though. I think that are just for musicians. Right. You know, you, right. you're just not going to get that unless you've been in the studio right. and walked out and just been like, "Fuck this! I'm never picking up a guitar again." Right. I've, I've seen a bunch of old blues documentaries. You know, there's one called Deep Blues and. I mean, I, I know I've seen a bunch of them, and I like watching those just because you, they get that old footage, and there's just not yeah. there's just not that much of it around. Right. The old you know? footage, like that that Scorsese blues right. thing, was awesome. I mean, you see old footage of like T Bone Walker and stuff, and there's probably awesome. only like three films out there yeah. with T Bone Walker. No, that's yeah. so awesome. And Freddie, I have some Freddie King stuff that somebody gave yeah. me. Which there's is so a lot great. of stuff from the '70s with Freddie. Yeah, like on TV shows. And then and there's a few like things, you know, I found on YouTube that are earlier. That's black and white things. Yeah, the, like the 60s stuff, which yeah. is really cool, you know. So cool. So I love watching that stuff, too, um, you know, just because it's like, you feel like you're almost watching a, not a forbidden thing, but a thing like, it's really special to have, I guess. Right, right. Some of that footage. Hey, just another, uh, a really another a good one that I like is is lesser known, but it's called uh, it's called Soul to Soul. I don't know that. And it's uh, Stevie Ray. No, no. it's it's. Uh, <laughs> it's the album. I was like, it's not. It's it's a movie that came out. I just think in the last five six years maybe, but it was recorded in the seventies, and it was a documentary, and it was all these um, uh, black American artists like Ike and Tina Turner and the Staple Singers and Wilson Pickett and all these people who went to Africa to sort of sort of find your roots to go to the mother country huh. tour. Yeah. So they went over there and did a concert for the Africans and then the Africans did a concert for them. Oh, really? And it's incredibly cool. It's and that came out recently? Killer. I, I don't know when it came out, but I think it was one of these things that they redid and re-released okay. in the last few years. Because it kind of sounds familiar to me. And it, yeah, it's probably not new. It's not new right. by any means, but right. not a lot of people know about it. And I, I, just, I think it's incredible because there's some great African music on it too, but right. you also see like... Ike and Tina Turner just killing it, or, or Wilson Pickett, or the Staples. I'm a huge Staples Singers fan, so yeah, I, sure. I think Mavis Staples does a lot of the commentary on it. Right. And, Did you hear that uh, album she put out? Was it last year? It was a live one? I didn't hear the live one. Hmm. I think it just came out recently. Huh. Yeah, I love her. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... But that's a good one. Another good one. kind of like one that, of those ones it? you have to check out if you dig, you know... Totally gospel and that yeah. you kind of got to get there and get right. familiar with that stuff All right so um, let me say this okay what well, we've got uh you mentioned before that you were born or you lived in colorado for part of your childhood mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think that you're in in looking up some information 
there's very little about like your childhood and everything. It's kind of all shrouded in mystery, Oliver. I feel like, <laughs> and then really and then not very you're like actually. in Atlanta, Just like a good blues. Man. <laughs> I know Colorado, then, the home of the blues, <laughs> right. and then uh, it flows from the mountains with the <laughs> Coors Lights, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Rocky Mountain High, <laughs> Rocky <laughs> Mountain Blues. So you it has you kind of shown up in Atlanta, and then when you start playing some of the things, I was checking out like your electronic press kit. Mm. Um, it talks about you and your brother getting together that you had played at – you sat in at a Desky right. Martin Wood show. Right. And then you guys, guys started playing, I think, at family get-togethers and this and that. And then you started right. putting things together. Yeah. But I didn't get – it sounded like you were getting back to playing together from before it, you were in Atlanta. Did you guys play together before? Well, it was from when we were kids. Okay. I mean, honestly, because um, I'm four years older than my brother. So when we were kids – and I was a older teenager, and he was a younger teenager. We played together around the house, and we were just starting to get things together. Uh, and we had a four-track, and we, we wrote some things, and we just jammed. And, and you know, I actually started, when I was like 15 or something, I think I had a, I started on bass. And I wanted okay. to learn bass, and I lasted about six months, and then I switched to guitar, and I gave him the bass, and he just went. What do you guys think? You're the Van Halen? I was just about I know, to say, one that's of those. yeah, yeah. So the Van Halen the, brothers, you're stealing Eddie and uh, and uh, Alex's, Alex's story. Yeah. You can't do that. It's <laughs> right. not cool. All right. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so we played then, but then you know we went our separate ways. I went. How went, did you uh, get to Atlanta? Ah, uh, well, I took the 41. Down. <laughs> oh. I went around 285 <laughs> seven right. times. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. Looking for my exit. <laughs> Looking for my exit. Um, so, yeah, so I actually, you know, left the house at 18, went to, I went out to school in California for a little while, and I... What school? Uh, UC Santa Cruz. Oh, nice. Kind of a hippie school. Okay. Sweet. Dropped out. Did well, you, you are a hippie now, you know. Right. Because I told you that... Uh, I'm on the jam band. I heard, I heard uh, One More Day on the jam band channel the other day. Oh, really? And I was texting Oliver kind of about the show getting right. ready for this said, heard, uh, show and i said hey by the way i heard your song and i yeah. said you're officially a hippie you're now because it was right. on the jam band channel sorry <laughs> whatever sells All right. um but anyway i when i lived in california i uh was playing with some guys and one of the guys was from atlanta and we all moved out followed him out here so that was probably like in the late 80s so i've oh. lived i've lived in atlanta officially about 20 21 years wow, wow. Yeah. okay and just to jump backwards a little bit, what were your influences as a kid? Like, what were you guys playing? Um, well, we, we hair played. metal like the rest of us cool no, people. Yeah, right. No, because I'm older than you, so I go, <laughs> I go back a little you further. That, that much older. Um, let's see. Well, we you know we were big, largely influenced by our dad because our our dad um, was he the poet or the microbiologist? He was a microbiologist. He was, and uh, but he was also a great musician. And and in his day, when he was uh, in his twenties uh, and in school, he also uh, played in bands. And he was sort of real big in the folk scene, like really that whole same scene that Bob Dylan right. sort of came up in. Yeah. That was my dad's era as well. And yeah. So he has that same huge re- my dad knows all the folk songs from that yeah era my dad actually played with with Joan Baez and and recorded with her a little really? bit of stuff so, so he was part of that that folky thing so he was a uh, musician part-time microbiologist uh something like that that's kind yeah, of a I classic mean, he was a, you know right classic you know, hobby right, yeah. right. <laughs> so uh, but we so we were largely influenced by him you know playing around the house but also by his record collection which included a lot of uh, 
blues stuff. So I, I remember getting really into early on, like Lightning Hopkins and uh, wow. and uh, Jimmy Reed and Sonny Terry, Brownie McGee. Those were things that really caught my ear, you know. And there was plenty of other stuff like Beatles and right. Bob Dylan stuff. See, you're lucky. Some... I had to figure that shit out on my own. <laughs> <laughs> you had to but, put right in front that's of you. Right. So, but I, but yeah. So I had that, but also lots of Beatles records and stuff that everybody else had. So, but I definitely uh, that sort of made an impression, and that was music that you know I'm sure we, as Colorado white boys we couldn't do much with it, but we at least <laughs> right. could like. Pretend we knew what we were doing. There's yeah. those three chords, and we can do it. So Chris and I actually used to jam on that stuff, and then so you never went through a period ride. where you like just would only talk to your parents like an old black blues artist or something. That <laughs> wow, no. what we got for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry over here. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. No, I, nothing like that. No, no, because no, I, I remember at some point, of course, I had to go off into some Hendrix and Zeppelin like everybody else, and got to do it. So uh, got your big pedal board, right? Yeah. So. Uh, but then, but anyway, back to the point, which was, I guess we were, you know, we played when we were teenagers, and yeah. then we went our six. So I ended up in Atlanta. Chris, when he got out of school, he went to the Northeast, and he uh, moved to first to Boston, then to New York City, and so, and then he, obviously his career took off with his group, and yeah, and uh, and I wouldn't say my career took off, but I got really busy work playing gigs in Atlanta, and and, and in you the started South, with Tinsley so. Ellis, right? Right. That was that was sort of my first. Okay. In my early 20s, and uh, Tinsley hired me, and I, I traveled around. How'd so that, that was happen? my first road gig. Well, I was playing around a lot in, in bars, you know, Fat Match and Fuzzies and all that stuff. Yeah, and he, just like the rest of us. Yeah, and he yeah. just kind of used to, I guess he was looking for a, a rhythm guitar slave, and he, and he, he found <laughs> me. I'll tell you, we talked he about found him. found me at Fuzzies. I hear he does that every once in a couple while. episodes yeah. ago, we talked about Tinsley because he played on well, one of our guests, Lefty. Lefty Williams. Yeah. He mm-hmm. had played on his album. Nice. A couple songs, I think. Yeah. Anyhow, we said he's songs. really good about being true to the scene, you know, always coming back oh, and, and getting the musicians out of the local scene. That's awesome. great. Yeah. Tinsley's really, uh, you know, you don't see him around Atlanta much. I mean, he's been around for so long and he, he uh, is on the road a lot. And when he's, yeah. when he's not on the road, he just certainly doesn't go out anymore, which I, I can sort of relate to that, getting, right. getting older and having a family and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. but uh, he... So this was just before a great you got King Johnson together? This was before King Johnson, right? Okay. And, uh, yeah, and so I, I played with Tinsley for about a year and a half, almost two years, and recorded an album with him, and that's really where I learned all about the road and just yeah. and and how do you do all that stuff, and, you know. Uh, and that was real, you know, I felt sort of like an apprentice of, of Tinsley. He, he taught me he a made lot. You, made you drive the van? Uh, I, he doesn't relinquish the wheel that much. But oh, he that's did. good. I, I was a second, I was <laughs> the first mate when it came to driving. So, Gilligan, uh, <laughs> Gilligan. But uh, but he's awesome, and he's done a lot for the scene. And he also, uh, I just really admire his his work ethic. Like you know, to make to make a living as a musician is so hard, yeah, especially and, up at that yeah. level. And then, and then add you know a family and some mortgage to it, and right. then it's like even more stressful. And, and he's like not just nonstop; he's just amazing. So, uh, cool. and still writing good music too. Yeah, and he's know. still doing a gr- it's great, fantastic guitar player, huge influence, definitely. And then so uh, so then you do the King Johnson thing. So then yeah, I was I you know after feeling like I I got a lot out from Tinsley and and uh, did you kind of have to say to him listen I want to go do my own yeah, thing yeah and, yeah and he was totally supportive and he yeah. was like yeah you should do that and and uh, now at what point did writing the fun songs 
you know, when you're a kid, turn into, you know, hey, I think I can write songs here. <laughs> that was definitely uh, more during the King Johnson years, so so starting right. in the, the sort of the early to mid '90s when uh, we put that band together. And Chris Long, who was who was the guy that I started the band with, him and Greg Baba, the drummer. Yeah. Um, and Chris Long was already writing all these awesome songs, and yeah. so he sort of inspired me uh, to to. Not only to write, but even to sing, because I didn't even sing before that. So, Ira and I were talking a little bit earlier. Devil for a Dime was that written by Chris Long? Yes. And and Tinsley covers and Tinsley that. Tinsley covers that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, while I was playing with Tinsley, Chris and I were were sort of scheming to get this band together, and we just started out just by writing tunes, and he would write a song and have me come and play on it in, as for, on a demo or whatever. So we made a demo and we gave it to Tinsley while I was still playing with him. Okay. Tinsley loved it. And so he cool. You know, just to mention Chris Long for a second, in I was talking before about you know your tools, and um, <laughs> Jesus, you know I will say this: when I first would go listen to King Johnson, Chris Long has one of those voices that right away you hear it, yeah. and it just sounds like a classic, classic, like he's been around forever, and right. he he's should be known sort of thing. Yep. And not to take anything away from him, love his voice, but over after listening to you guys a few times, I really started to appreciate what you were doing vocally. I'm just kind of curious for you in kind of finding your voice, I guess, in that band. Right. Was it intimidating? Be because absolutely, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, it'd I be have... like me trying to sing, you know, half the leads next to Ira. You know, it's just not well, gonna work. Well, thank it's, you. For but that. I mean, <laughs> I think, but you can sing, but it's not as dirt. It's not as immediate. Right. I feel like right. you've got to really hear the subtleties. and uh, yeah. Well, it definitely was both uh, not humiliating, it, uh, it was intimidating and <laughs> yeah. uh, and inspiring. But yeah. uh, And I have, I mean, there's recordings of early King Johnson gigs that are just god off. I mean, I was just trying to find it, and it's just yeah. terrible. <laughs> and because uh, I'd first, I'd start to try to get a rasp in my voice or try to make it sound like his somehow. Right. Like, That's cool. I got to sound like that. <laughs> I guess we all do that when at first, you know, whether we're playing an instrument or singing or whatever, you try to emulate something and then... <laughs> I could see at, Oliver in the corner with like, cigarettes like lighting like four at a time. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> what the hell are you doing? Just go there? in the closet. Just go, ah! <laughs> right, just yell. I need the rasp. I need What's the What's Chris rasp, drinking? Man? Wild turkey? Let me get a couple <laughs> yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, but then eventually, I, th- I mean, so often, I think you're... Your your strengths are your weaknesses in a way. You know, it's like your limitations are what direct you into your own voice. And I think eventually right. that just happened. I was like, oh, I can't sing like that. I'm not even gonna try. And yeah, and uh, so I don't know. Cool. Was it weird when you started doing stuff with your brother to not have Chris on the other side? Yeah, it was definitely weird. I mean, all of a sudden I was the. You get used the, to those harmonies. main you know? singer, yeah, yeah. You and know. you just get used to, I mean, I know for me, I play in another band now where it's instrumental, right. and it's just strange. So I don't even have to think about the harmony side of it, right. but it's just strange to look to my right and not see Ira. Right. You know. Well, it's strange for me, you know, after doing these songs for so many years and having the harmonies there all the time, whenever right. I have to sing on my own without harmonies there. And you're hearing You always them. have that support, you know. Yeah. Right. Right. It just sounds, you know, twice as good. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is... We were talking a little bit before, but I'm not the player like a lot of the other people were. I didn't. I wasn't in the blues scene and all that stuff. I'm more right. of just writing songs and working right. on that. So I wasn't sitting in with all these guys. So I didn't have any experience really right. with being on stage outside of our band. So that's right. why, for me at least, it was so right. odd. You had been on stage with other people. Right. Yeah, it was definitely a new thing. I mean, on the one hand, 
from a vocal point, all of a sudden I was the primary singer and had to sing all the yeah. songs, and, which I was like, ooh, I'll step up and do it. But on the other hand, it was kind of weird not to have... Just okay. Okay, I could use a break. You sing a few. You know? Right now, yeah. your brother does do harmonies, though. I mean, can oh yeah, he, can and he, he sing start, pretty well. Or yeah, and my and the cool thing about my brother, I mean, he sort of it, it's sort of analogous to when I started singing. Is is you know, I, I had an, an, another experienced right. singer to sort of take most of the weight and and then gradually ease into it, learn with harmonies, and that's right. kind of what's happening with my brother. And he's already singing a lot of leads now. And oh, and cool. So you know, he's a he's a great singer, and he just had to. You know, he's been in an instrumental band for 20 years. Exactly. Right? So he does. You know, the it's a it's an instrument. It's the more a you muscle. do it anyway, it's it's something you have to do. Right. So uh, so over the last couple of years, Chris has really grown as a singer in both harmonies and lead vocals. He's gotten right. really good. So yeah, I think since we don't have that much more time, do you want to jump ahead and just talk about the success of, of the Wood Brothers? Or yeah, um, yeah. Let's j- yeah. Just let's for get a little into bit. Because so what was that first show then? Well. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I, we could talk a zillion years about King Johnson as well, which right. I know I could, um, but we but might, yeah, let's we might have the rest up. of the band in here eventually, so right. yeah. we'll, we'll save that. Uh, well, yeah, we'll save that stuff. So, okay. so sticking kind of with your brother and what you're doing now, um, what was that first gig where you guys played together, where you sat in with him? Oh, uh, sorry. Well, that was uh, actually a King Johnson open for Modesky Martin Wood, Okay, oh, and really? that was up in North Carolina somewhere. Was and that his idea? Was that Chris's idea? I, was Chris, I can't remember whose idea it was. I think mm-hmm. I just threw it out there and said, hey, we're going to be in North Carolina too. Maybe we could play that show with you guys. And just, oh, cool. I don't know. Worked out, and we had a great time, and that was the first time I actually sat in with Modesky Martin. I, I have a million times since then, but th- that was yeah. the first time I had, and that was the first time, you know, Chris and I really grew apart uh, both musically and even just socially. By yeah. just living in different parts of the country, and so, yeah. so anyway, that night we really got to hang out. We and I sat in, and it somehow it just was went really well. And and I just Chris and I Chris and I realized, wow, we just sort of have this, you know. He knew what I was going to play, and right, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was just kind of one of those easy connections that usually takes like years with a band. You right. know, it's like I was, I guess it's a blood thing. Yeah, uh, definitely. But anyway, kind of was like, cool. We should play in some context we should play again and so i think it was a year or two later that that we just started on family get-togethers playing just acoustically or whatever and just recording some things and oh, okay so that was a while ago that so uh so so yeah i mean it may have been like six or seven years ago oh, or okay. eight years ago that i sat in with mmw that yeah. was sort of a pinnacle and then moment for us to, to sort of but then really the, the wood brothers thing's only been now going for three and a half years right, right. so who and initiated that so so anyway, Chris and I, 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 yeah, I mean, I just sent Chris a bunch of demos of songs. Some of them were old King Johnson songs, a couple of new songs, and Chris learned them, and we made a demo of them, just the two of us, just our duo thing, and uh, and we gave it to Chris's manager just for the heck of it, and she loved it, yeah, and she gave it to. Uh, Bruce Lundvall, who's the president of Blue Note Records, and they they used to be on Blue Note, so they have a relationship. Right. Yeah. So you know, I, I was lucky to be connected in that way. Sure. Yeah. But but they just, I guess it was they loved the demo, and it really was a pretty cool demo. And so how different they signed was it? it so. How different was it from the first album? I mean, did not it, much different yeah. at all. It was very much like first the first album. Is I mean, they basically great. told us to do the demo again, but, but <laughs> yeah, but better quality. You know, oh, that's yeah, basically sure. what we did. Yeah. So, um, so that's how that came about. 
That's awesome. So, and is that um, you started adding some more instrumentation on the second CD? The first CD is just you and your brother. For the most part, there's a there's a couple th- little three, things. four, five songs that have drums or percussion on them. Right. And now the second so, album has a little bit. Second album's a little more fleshed out. Right. And, well, you pulled you pulled from the local scene, <laughs> right? For the second album, which yeah, is, which was real nice. We got Donnie McCormick on it, and then we yeah. got John Medeski, who also produced it. He he played some keyboards on it, and and uh, Billy Martin played a little bit of drums, and you know we had a Kenny Wallison who uh, was the drummer for the first record. All right. of those two he played. How strange was it, or not strange? Was it to play those tunes outside of King Johnson? I mean, I know you wrote them, right. but were you a little yeah, funny about weird. like, oh, when they hear this? What's I know. Thing? Oh, I definitely was. And, and really, you know, we did that just because, you know, we hadn't been writing songs together and we, I hadn't, you know, I had some new songs as well. So it wasn't all King Johnson songs, but a good half of them were. And I was like, well, here's a bunch of songs that I think we could do as a duo yeah. that would work that yeah. way. and. Uh, so that's kind of all we had at the time. Yeah. For the time. So you know, as we after that one, when we started writing together more, we uh, you know obviously we, we got some new stuff. Did the writing work um, the same way that the playing? Like it just felt right? No, that's that's something that's taken practice. I mean, writing is such a you know it's such a personal thing yeah. that sometimes. It's hard to just say, "All right, we're going to collaborate," you especially know? with the people who are closest to you. Yeah, in a way. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Because they don't always see, they don't see you the same way that everybody else sees you. Right. Yeah. So it takes it's a some practice. Thing. You have to practice sort of letting go of your preconceived notions about something. And then, you know, what happens a lot of times, I think, for any group is like uh, somebody writes most of a song and brings it in, and then everybody learns it and works on it and tweaks it, and that, that's. You know, like I'll write lyrics and basic chords or something, or so will Chris, and then yeah. we'll get together and we'll flesh it out, and and that's kind of a system. Or every once in a while, we'll have a song where, hey, I, why don't you finish these lyrics or something? You know, yeah. where it's a little more, even more collaborative. So. Cool. Well, before we get to the three, two, one, <laughs> which I'm <laughs> looking forward three, two, one. to. I was very excited about my new segment. We're trying to, you know, really make this seem like <laughs> a real show here, Oliver. Like we actually yes. did. Some, We're not just a couple two idiots. We did some know. work and. Well, f- just a real quick thing on that songwriting thing that you were talking about in that movie, the Wilco movie, I'm Trying to Break Your Heart. There's a, an interesting thing, an interesting take I felt like they had on songwriting yeah, totally. where they talk about writing a song. And I actually wrote something down because I was watching it again. And they say something about um, let's start let's start how the song sounds like it should be, which sort of is a funny thing to me. And then deconstruct it and destroy right. it. And right. break it down and make it sound totally different. Right. Whereas I, I feel think like that makes sense in, to me. Does it? See, because yeah. for us, I feel like we always had it in our head. At least I know I did. You know, right. and then I had to try and find people who could possibly bring my genius to fruition. <laughs> but I always had it all like in my head how it should sound, right. and it was always a goal of trying to work to get there, right. as opposed to getting there and just saying, "Okay, now let's just all destroy it." Right. But it was an That's interesting a, approach, I thought. Oh, it's uh, very interesting. I'm totally inspired by that because the the whole thing to me about about right or just art in general, I guess, is there's always um, a big part of it that you really don't have control over, you know. And there's sure. always like weird things that happen that are unexpected that make it great that, or mistakes right. or whatever, right? And I think um, 
And and in order to be creative and different, you have to get out of your box sometimes. So I think that whole deconstruction thing is a cool idea. And that's what Chris and I do a lot. Sometimes we'll just write something and we're like, all right, that's too stock. That's too typical. Let's fuck it up somehow. I do that lyrically, I would say. Sometimes I've done that where I'll just write what I want to say exactly. And then I try and find the better words to say it. it You mean you go get your thesaurus off the shelf? No. (laughs) (laughs) Very intelligent person, Ira. I don't know if you realize this. All right. I need the thesaurus. (laughs) All right. So we're starting a new. Can we do the new segment or you had something else? You better get into it. All right. uh, Let's do it. All right. New segment. I need music for my new segment. We'll have it. <laughs> um, let's see. This is a new segment here on <coughs> Two Faces Radio. We're going to call this Brian's 321. I explained it off the top, but in case people forgot. Three questions, and I am I might be cheating a little in here. Uh, about two-minute answers for each. You know, I'm not okay. going to go t- forever on it. And one artist. You are our one artist, <laughs> Oliver. Congratulations. Because look around. It's just you. Okay. <laughs> um, I wanted to start with – I wanted to start – by reading something for you okay. and then ask you the question. So okay. I'm going to start with something here. Okay. <clears throat> if you don't mind. Man, I don't I'm know glad if I I'm not in his put seat, on my Shakespeare. Now, I hope you're not nervous. Mm. This is supposed to no, be fun here, man. I'm ready. Aphrodite. Her suitcase was my burden for so long. She said, boy, you got some heart and soul. That's not what your love is for. Lay your burden down and we'll both be stronger. Probably one of my favorite lines, lyrics, verses that you've written. Okay. Can you name the song? I believe I can. Because my son makes me sing it to him a million times. Does he? Cool, Does he? Man. Yeah, he's, he's, for right now, I'm sure that'll end. But uh, Atlas. Is yeah. Song. yeah. Mm-hmm. Great song. You know, like I said, I'm really into lyrics. And I was curious what you feel the best lyric you've ever written was. Oof. Mm. Well... And you don't have to say it. You can just reference it in the song right. if you feel like. I don't no, want to no, no. embarrass you or anything. No, I, I, but I, I, I know. I, I, I've thought about this a little bit. Um, I don't really know. I, I, it's hard for me to... My horn doesn't toot very loud, but I like... Right. <laughs> I like... Uh, I like... I've had a lot of response from this line uh, from a song called Love and Arms where it says, God damn, uh, you're a boy, not a man, when you miss those love and arms. And... Uh, Maybe out of context is not. <laughs> it's right. not, but in but, the song, know, in the song, I, I don't. Know, I have a lot of people say hey, that's that line is the shit, dude. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. Because I really relate. So yeah. I don't know. There, there's that one. I like that one. That's one of those ones that just get. It, it gives you a feeling when you hear it. You know, you don't. It's not just a cool line just to hear. You know. Yeah, yeah. And if you just talk it, it's not as good. Going, <laughs> God, but, but I'm saying that's why I was yeah. saying like you know, Aphrodite, yeah. you know. <laughs> so it's like you know, it's always odd out of context. But yeah, within the context, and yeah. sometimes I'll tell you, the the way a song is sung can make a line better. A- absolutely, that's, absolutely. That's no, and one. and you know, the, the other thing is uh, the ambiguity. Of something like the Aphrodite thing or this song, which this song, the song Love and Arms, which is what that line is from, uh, was actually about losing uh, our mom. Okay. Uh, which happened a couple of years ago you know, while we were writing the album. And uh, so, you know, that idea was, you know, you're, when it comes to your mom, you're always the kid. You're, right. always, a, you're yeah. always a helpless kid. Yeah. But to somebody who's lost a girlfriend or whatever i mean it, you know it could speak to it sure. could, it's more ambiguous than just it's not so specific as to be about my mom it's just you know 
it's that feeling. So that's cool. That's what all good lines, I think, do. All right. Question number two. All right. <laughs> this kind of goes along with it, but what do you think the best overall song you've written? You know, music, lyric, melody? It's a little bit like choosing kids. Yeah, favorite, kids, I know. Kids. Yeah. All right. What tune when, you know, you start, you're at a show and you know what's coming up on the set list where you're like, yeah. 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 <laughs> or just like when people, you know, it, let's say your grandkids, you got one shot to show them like, hey, man, you know, you get there, you this know, because you're only going to have their attention for five yeah. seconds. You know, this is what I'm all about. You know, what right. kind of speaks about you the yeah, best? Yeah, I mean, think? there's maybe because there's songs that are more like quirky, like I, I that Postcards from Hell song is one that I'm really proud of just because it's it says what I want to say. And it but it also has kind of interesting music it's not regular old strumming chords and i right. borrowed a little from the african thing and it's just i feel like it's original i'm very proud of that right. one. but it's maybe not as accessible as a song like like uh that love and arm song or right um i mean most requested is probably luckiest man that's okay. probably the most requested great song uh chocolate on my tongue is another one that's kind of a quirky weird said what i wanted to say i don't know if anybody gets it but i but it's another one that i feel like I got it right away. Well, I th- I think well when I, I fir- when I first when I first <laughs> heard about the chocolate, <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyhow, um, or Jungle Fever. <laughs> well, that's right. what I was going to say when I first heard the title. Right. I thought it was. I was like, "Is this a, his brown sugar?" You know. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, Oliver's brown sugar. Right. Um, all right. So okay, we got a couple good ones there. Oh, a couple good ones there. How about this? Is your last one, by the way? Ah, oh, come on. It's three, two, one. You can't know. deviate from that. All right. And plus, we're going to hear some music This soon, is the one so. I want to know then. What's the song you wish you wrote? Uh, I wish you hadn't asked me that one. All right. Damn. Do you want me to do the other one? Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I? You can come back to, to the it. next one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can email <laughs> us later and <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll read have it. To, I'll read I, it live on the Okay. Because I could not think of one. I could what not. do you think the album, you, uh, hopefully non-compilation or non-greatest right. hits, what album do you think you've listened to more than any other? And if I can just explain it a little bit to people who are listening... I have albums that I might say are my favorite album. You know, this these five are my favorite. But then when it comes right down to it, there's certain albums I've maybe listened to right. all the way through more than others. Right. So what do you think? What album have you worn out on your record player, then CD player, now MP3 player? <laughs> well, let's see. I think uh, the album that I would probably say is... There's okay. I gotta qualify this. There's a Snooks Eaglin album. Huh. Snooks Eaglin. It's called Legend Legacy of the Blues Volume Two. So it's not a compilation. It's just right. put out by a company called Legacy of the Blues. I think. Cool. Anyway, I listen to that forever. Just Snook. Do you know Snooks Eaglin? I don't. He's a, he's a uh, New Orleans guitar blind guitar player. He died yeah. last year, I think. Uh, but just awesome. I mean, and it's him playing solo and singing. That's probably one that I've huh. played. When I at the time that I discovered, I played it a million times. I will say, real quick, my Desert Island album, which okay. may be a co- right. compilation. I'm not sure. It's called Great Ladies of Gospel. Really? Oh. And uh, so it must be a compilation. So right. I don't know if that counts. But it's I've, uh, my favorite ever. And then the thing I've listened to the most recently is the Medeski Martin Woods Children's Record. Oh. Okay. They made a children's record called Let's Go Everywhere. And since I have kids. We've listened to it a million times in the car, <laughs> right. and it's an awesome record. No kidding. I mean, check that out. It's my favorite Medeski Martin Wood record. That is cool wow. that they're coming out with cooler stuff for kids nowadays, you know? Totally. Yeah. And this is an album that everybody would like. Right. Anyway, right. so I had to get a lot of extras. Well, I'll there. tell you what. Actually, uh, this probably, hopefully sometime this month, 
um, you know, <clears throat> to make to pay the bills, I teach third grade. Right? <laughs> <sighs> Which you've mentioned on here before. And I've aged ten years yeah. for every five years. I'm but sure. anyhow, um, a buddy of mine at school, we write songs for the kids for different uh, events and stuff like that, and it is fun. To write what we consider, you know, like pretty decent, because I still, I'm still going to write the same way. I'm not going to, totally. I'm still going to want a good melody line. I'm still totally. going to want the lyrics to be kind of smart and interesting, and <laughs> right. I'm still going to want the music to sound. Yeah, you don't want to play down to them, too right? Much. So um, it's like Sesame Street still had adult uh, jokes for adults here and there. Right. You know? Cool shit, right. cool right. shit on Sesame Street. Right. All right. So there you go. You got out of my tough one because that was that was that was the tough one. You know what? And there's there's so many of them. Sure, and there I can't are. Think of I, for right. some reason oh, I'm like they're not coming to me. Yeah. Right. Hey, I'm uh, glad I wasn't asked that either. <laughs> Maybe you'll save me. Golly. Uh, so well, listen. Uh, I feel like we could go all night, of course, as we, we uh, usually do. But uh, it's time for song number two. Let's do song two, and then we'll come back and wrap things up. Okay. All right. What do you got for us this time? Uh, what did we say? Is it going to be luckiest man? Uh, luckiest man. <laughs> sure. Is it gonna, you want to do that? Oliver kind of took requests. We were we were talking before we started recording, what tunes we we're going to do. And since Brian and I are so familiar with the tunes, luckiest man or um, what was the other one we were saying? Luckiest spirit. man or spirit? Yeah. Oh yeah. Spirit. What do you feel? He said you thought more comfortable. Luckiest man might do a little better. I have he no said. idea. They could both. <laughs> blow, they might both blow. So let's just do that. Luckiest man will have an acoustic song. All right. You know what? We'll record them both. And we can, uh, if you want. we can record them both, and then we can save them as a little bonus little feature bonus. for go. for people. So Oliver, he's picking up the acoustic, putting to use <laughs> the acoustic guitar. I spent so much money on. This is actually the first nice acoustic I've ever bought, and um, Midtown Music was going out of sale, out of business. Right. Excuse me, <laughs> and sale. they were having, <laughs> and they were running out of things to sell. Uh, and I had really wanted a nice acoustic guitar, and I think I got one. I'm a big Gibson fan, so. Yeah, man, it's a good one. Uh, and I like, I wanted something singer songwritery, so, so, um, anyhow, yeah. enjoy it. I think it sounds pretty good. All right, ready? Yeah. Do it.
mysterious forces But you don't always You are the luckiest man You're the luckiest man Try to keep my faith And keep my Thank you. Do you want to do the other one? I mean, if you, sure. if you want to do it, do you want to do it later? Or do you want to do it now? Do it. Do it after. Okay. Sure. Well, stay tuned for that then. <laughs> <laughs> Check that out. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. about about your music real quick, and I was thinking about it while you were playing. It's like whenever I have my iPod on shuffle or whatever, it's like no matter what mood I'm in, you know, sometimes I'm driving around the weekend, I want to hear some like heavy rock or something, you right. know, so something will come up in the iPod and it'll be some real heavy shit. And yeah. I'll be like, yeah, yeah. Roll Rat. Mood, rock and Dockin'. roll mood. Uh, <laughs> even heavier sometimes. Crew. Even heavier. But I don't know. But then like a King Johnson tune could come up or even something off of, uh, you know, Wood Brothers. And even though it's like totally different, it's always like, yeah, this is what I want to hear now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. it is, like I can listen to it at any time, any place, you know, no matter what mood I'm in. It's definitely, you know, that music is, it does that for me. Which is why we've sold well under a million copies. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. In just right. three years. <laughs> Just Don't worry, we could top you or bottom you. Bottom you. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> doesn't sound good at all. But one uh, of those things. Well, we better well, wrap it up. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say just one other thing is um, uh, with King Johnson, your lead playing for me was always when I first came to town and starting to get into the scene here. Uh, it was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, really melodic, really tasteful. You play to allow you know other guitar players to look and listen and feel like I think I could do that. Right. You just play easy. There's a lot of guys who play and just shred, shred. and do all that stuff, yeah. and they're great. Yeah. But I can immediately just walk out and say I'll never do that, and I probably can't do half <laughs> the stuff you do. But you make it look easy. Thanks. And I never really thought about you having a certain sound or tone until the Wood Brothers. Right. That first record, when I heard it on Sirius, that was, 
I just recognize the sound, and it's oh, very different. Yeah, the guitar oh. tone, and I feel like you've really kind of grown into a sound and a, yeah. a, a tone, and a lot of it has to do with your playing, that rhythmic uh, right hand you got there. Right. But um, I thought that was kind of interesting that I recognized you by the sound as yeah. opposed to like actually having to hear the song and know what song right. it was because there was nobody singing at the moment or anything, and I knew it right away. So that right. was kind of cool, I thought. Oh, very cool. Anyhow. Very cool. Well, oh, I thought of a song. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, that <laughs> you wish you'd wrote? Yeah. See, okay. Now, yeah. This makes me feel good because now I feel like it was a worthwhile segment. Oh, it's right? totally worthwhile. I was just kicking myself earlier. But there's a song, Please Send Me Someone to Love, which is uh, by Percy Mayfield. Yeah. Good song. Hmm. Anyway, that's one. There's so many others. Sure. That's one. <laughs> yeah. Believe that's me. definitely one. I know. I could go on for days with that, too, you know? Yeah. Because then you forget. You, you know, you even forget different genres. You know, you're like, oh yeah, well, totally. There's, there's a zillion in the in the blues genre, and then right. You know, you even get into jazz and you know Americana or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah, that one too, man. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, right. because I mean, I love. I grew up on singer songwriter stuff. Right. And then, even I always felt like I picked the bands. Even in the hard rock days, I I felt like I picked bands that were a little bit better, a little right. more cream yeah. of the crop. You know, saying right. not as cheesy. <laughs> and. uh and then you know you just get older and you just kind of keep hearing stuff and you're like, damn, that's good. Right. Well, you, what are the big shows you got coming up uh, this summer? Well, um, I, mean, I know you're playing see. with Joe tomorrow night, but this, right. this won't be uh, out yet. So right. if you um, went to the Joe McGinnis and Oliver uh, show at the Five right. Spot, <laughs> <laughs> I right. hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it. I know you did. Probably. I know you did. Um, we killed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. The place was mobbed. Was it yeah. not awesome? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm I'm doing uh, another tour with my brother in August, which will. Uh, I, I'm not very good at keeping up with the exact itinerary anymore, but we have a few festivals up in the Northeast and Midwest, and and club shows. Uh, we're doing a big festival in October called the Austin City Limits Festival, oh. which is oh which yeah, is awesome festival. Hmm. Um, and one of my favorite. Musical series as well. The the well, of course the show. Yeah, oh, man, just awesome. Yeah, really great. So, um, so there's a whole Wood Brothers tour coming up uh, in mid August. Well, where where can uh, everybody find y'all? I mean, we'll have all your sites listed and everything. Yeah, but, but well uh, uh, there's there's uh, thewoodbrothers.com. Okay, the Wood the woodbrothers.com. Gotcha. Uh, and there's. Uh, myspace.com slash the wood brothers cool well people will check you out there and people hopefully will come out and see you play yeah and check out the two cds that you'll find on the websites as well actually you right. have a and you have a third cd there's out a now new there's a new cd right. we just you were put kind out. enough to bring in yeah for it's us. actually an ep and it's uh it's all covers it's called up above my head uh which is a rosetta tharp song and, uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Sister yeah, Rosetta Sister Tharp. Rosetta Tharp. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so there's a bunch of songs we wish we had written, but was, we, was we she off of that gospel album? Your your dead. Uh, actually, she wasn't. I just she discovered wasn't? her the last a few years, a couple actually, years. Actually, I kind of Mike did Ferris. Too. Yeah, does I didn't know Mike Ferris about. does a great. Have you ever heard of Mike Ferris? I think I have. Oh, yeah, you'd love him. Yeah, yeah you'd I love him. him. We'll have to talk about that, but I think he does a Sister Rosetta Tharp song. Yeah, Mike's coming on the show. You know, I would love it. <laughs> that would be great. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Yeah. But I think he does a Sister Rosetta Tharp song, actually, and I can't remember what it's called. Huh. That was her That was her probably best-known one. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's a new thing we just put out. We put it out ourselves. And um, 
We recorded oh, it here in Atlanta just in a day, and it's it's basically just the two of us playing live in the studio, but it's all cover songs. And it's everything from a Beatles song to a Beck song to a Allman <laughs> Brothers to a when I saw Billie could, Holiday. I saw you could buy that on CD Baby. Um, you can buy it CD Baby, iTunes, uh, and uh, indie record stores have it. All right, cool. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, for uh, Oliver Wood, uh, do you want me to wrap up the show? Wrap thought, it thought, up, I brother. It was, uh, well, tell people. I thought it was your day to, no, to wrap on, things up here. It. All right. Turn it to wrap. Well, you wrap a little bit more than I do. I do. I think you're a better rapper. Well, thank you again for listening to Two Faces Radio. This has uh, been a great episode, and that's Brian McClenning over there, our special guest, Oliver Wood. Thank you very much again for coming in and doing this. Thank you, guys. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again in the future. you got something else new that's coming out later on. Oh, Give us a call and come absolutely. back in. Sounds good. And uh, my name is Ira Mel. Thanks again for listening. And what we always like to say is, save, save it for, for the, the show. show.